How about now? I clicked on go live. I mean, how much more can you click on? Oh, there it is. I see it's live now on on uh, on uh, Facebook. Live on yeah. The other one is being wonky. So I'm just going to go live here. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, it should check now. Yeah. All right. Woohoo. There we go. I don't really know what's happening, but it seems like it's good. Yeah, and I want to say hi to Brandy Lee Camp and to Mark Bloom um, and um, Adam, just so that you know your collar is messed up. So says Mark. So uh, it is. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yes, James. Thank you, James, so much. So um, that is a good point because we forget that we're usually just voices. Um, So James has asked us to introduce ourselves because they're actually seeing our faces in addition to our voices. So I think we do need to do that. And of course, like we do every episode, we are going to have an intro question. But Zach told me to hold on. So. I got this. <gasps> you are listening to the Down the Wormhole podcast, exploring the strange and fascinating relationship between science and religion. This week, our hosts are Ian Benz, Associate Professor of Elementary Science Education at UNC Charlotte. And I just learned that I am a airbender. Well, that's going to need a little bit more context. Did we even ask the question? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so our question (laughs) our question is what was the question again? That's not just a random fact that Ian is sharing. What's the question again? I forgot. (laughs) Which bender are we based on the Avatar series? Avatar the Last Airbender. The cartoon series from Avatar the Last Airbender. This is not the blue people running on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there. So I'm not some big, tall, blue person running all over the planet. Oh, man. Um, but, so which bender are we? And uh, some of the other guests or some of the other hosts are big time uh, Avatar Last Airbender fans. And my son is too. And he told me that I am an airbender. Next. <laughs> I am Rachel Jackson, rabbi at Agudas Israel in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And also thanks to my son, who has watched every episode, but I have not seen a single one. I am a, I am also a, what was I? Oh, an air, a, an airbender is what the quiz told me. And we'll, we'll put the quiz in, we'll put the quiz in our show notes. Um, but people have told me on here that maybe I'm a People firebender. meaning me. So. I think you're a good firebender, yes. not one of the evil imperial ones, but that's a different conversation for another <laughs> Thank day. Thank you. All right, you go I ahead, I am Zach. Zach Jackson, UCC pastor in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I have something stuck in my eye, but um, <laughs> I would be an earthbender. Um, my roommate and I in college watched this whole show when it was on TV, and I always loved earthbenders, especially Toph and the whole metal bending thing. Uh, my name is Adam Pryor. I work at Bethany College in Lindsborg, Kansas. Uh, I am, according to the quiz, a waterbender. Um, and I will say, if you start watching this show, you better dedicate some time 
because <laughs> you're going to get yourself sucked in. A lot of late nights lately. I'm Kendra Holtmore. I'm a PhD student at Boston University. And when I first started watching Avatar The Last Airbender, I thought that I was a firebender. But the second and third time that I watched it, in just the development of my life, I've learned that I think I'm more of a waterbender. But it's also important to note that the quiz Rachel just told us to take, or the few of us that took it before we started this conversation, I learned that I might actually be the avatar because that's what the quiz told me. So no big deal, but that's the thing now. So I told her she's got to paint a blue thing on her head, right? Blue arrow? Because you're the avatar now? Okay. I'm right. so glad that we finally found you. There's a lot going on in the world right now. We could have used your help a while ago, yeah. but you know what? Better late than I know. never. I'm really falling down on the job already. <laughs> so this episode is a uh, super special episode we've been planning for a little while. Um, this is, we are celebrating our first anniversary, podiversary, podcastiversary. I don't remember how I put it in the in the thing but um we started on august 7th i think of last year we actually started yep. conversations about starting this podcast in may of last year on the last day of our sun and synapse fellowship and um at a sports bar that was playing 90s rock way too loud with a bunch of bros yelling Wait. at a uh dart uh, dartboard <laughs> we talked about about doing a podcast to continue the work that we'd done through the fellowship because we weren't done <laughs> we had more we wanted to talk about um, um, by we I, I mean me and Ian and Rachel um, and a number of uh, our other friends we then asked Kendra and Adam if they would join because we've we did some podcasting through the fellowship with them and uh had some really good chemistry and um had a lot of fun uh if you check out the sinai and synapses uh fellowship website there's some content up there that we created back then um you can hear us before we were famous which <laughs> if you're listening now you're also listening to us before we were famous um <laughs> Like, when did that happen? <laughs> we learned that you have your own uh, doodle face picture thingy. Is that, would that be an avatar? What are you talking about? <laughs> on his on his website. That is, that is, Ian, that you're is killing not. me with no context today. You have your own doodle face. That's, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and before before you answer that, um, just want to say out loud hello to uh, Christy and Kareen and Daniel and Steven. Welcome. So if it were just me making a podcast, I would have started recording in May, and then I probably would have run out of steam by June. So I am really thankful for this group of people who have um, a lot more organizational skills and stick-to-itiveness and um, actually made this thing happen. And so thank you to all of you, um, the four of you, for uh, keeping this going. It's been so much fun to learn how to do all of the production side and all the editing and giving me an opportunity to mm -hmm. write more music and um, just have some creative fun as well. 
as to learn a lot from all these uh um what are we calling you intellectual what do we call you adam no no adam is intellectual powerhouse powerhouse which is how he was introduced or heavy heavy no no heavyweight sorry sorry sorry. as he was introduced by the rabbi jeff middleman who i'm going to bring in shortly (laughs) um So this is also the first time that we are using the live feature of Riverside FM, which is the uh, the podcast recording company the, uh, that we use, which if any of you uh, have a podcast that you record uh, remotely, I cannot recommend Riverside enough. It has been so reliable and wonderful. Um, I am such a huge fan of they have just made our podcast sound so much better and made it so much more reliable. So I clicked on accept for Jeff and now I think he just needs to accept my accepting. <laughs> There's so much acceptance. This is a safe place. We do strive for it. I'm still trying to figure out what the chemistry was. That, that you would have discerned such that... I mean, I mean it makes sense for me with Kendra because she has chemistry with people. I, I'm a little confused what other than babbling. Adam was very disturbed when you mentioned the chemistry. I was watching it and he <laughs> yeah. just lost it. Uh, Adam gets disturbed I couldn't, easily, I couldn't put the pieces together there about how that happened. Hey, there's Jeff. Hey, there he is. Oh, there's Jeff. Speaking Hi. of chemistry... Hi, Jeff. Um, <laughs> This is the uh, Rabbi Jeff Middleman. You may recognize him from episode blah, 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 early on in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> this is when I would have edited myself in because I didn't prepare. It was one of the one of the first ones, I think. Um, also, the founder of Sinai and Synapses and uh, the fellowship that brought us all together. Um, so, if there's any chemistry in this room, it is thanks to your matchmaking, good sir. Um, so we wanted to welcome you on um, because it wouldn't be a celebration of our one year without you. Thank you. This is it's really exciting to be able to see you all and hear you all. I miss seeing you in person. Um, I generally, miss be seeing people in person as a whole, but um, <laughs> but that's one of the one of the wonderful things about podcasts and and um, and conversations like this to be able to, to have these and, and to be able to have time stop, which is a wonderful thing because you can be creating things right now that people can listen to a year or two from now um, and also go back and edit and change. Although now it, we're live at this moment here, but it's wonderful to be able to have all of these different pieces. And um, you know, the, the down the worm whole podcast has been such an incredible success story from our fellowship Um Seeing the work that we're doing, you know, the fellowship, I think, is, as some of you may know, it's a competitive application process. We've had uh, 55 fellows go through. We're, uh, we're currently uh, our fourth group of fellows are right now in their second year. Uh, or sorry, the first year. They're finishing their first year here um, and trying to bring together great people. And one of the wonderful things about the fellowship is how do we create situations and and places and relationships where we think good good things can happen we're a big believer like let's get the best people in the room that we can uh diverse people different perspectives geographic 
um, religious, political, let's get a bunch of really good people in the room and something good is going to happen out of it. <laughs> we didn't know what was going to happen, um, but it has been such a great joy to see the content that's come out of what the five of you have created, the kinds of interviews that you've had, the kinds of topics that you've explored. Um, it's really exactly what we're trying to be able to do through Sinai and Synapses. How do we explore some of the big, most challenging questions that we face? One line that we say is the, the challenge in, that we face in this world is not scientific and they're not religious. They're human questions. And where can we find wisdom from both sources to be able to address everything from paleontology to pop culture to um, intellectual humility and being able to have the five of you create this and do this for, for a year. And I know that there's many, many more years of this to come. Um, I, I'm thrilled to be sort of the catalyst and, and just watch the five of you wind you up and watch you go. It's been, it's just been an incredible joy and pride for me to be able to see this that you've all created here. Proud dad uh, <laughs> picture, by the way, if you guys don't know Jeff, that's his proud dad smile right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, and we wouldn't be here if it weren't for your, your ingenuity and your discernment and your, um, desire to bring all of this together. So we owe a huge debt of gratitude to you, Jeff. And, um, it was episode 11. <laughs> Thank you. <You're> <laughs> um, is when, so if you, if you hadn't, if you hadn't got to hear Jeff in a full episode, check out episode 11 and you'll, you'll get to hear him there too. So thank you, Jeff, for, for okay. making it happen. Thank you. And, and I also, there's, there's another group there, there, you know, we've gotten some, some funding from some wonderful individual donors, um, Fred Price was somebody who, who helped get us off the ground. And then most recently, uh, the Issachar Fund has been uh, an incredible supporter. Um, and, and they were really able to supercharge this in a lot of ways, bring in more people into the fellowship. So I need to, to give thanks to the Issachar Fund and, uh, and Kurt Behrens and Mike Hamilton and their whole team uh, and their, their wisdom and support on this as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, that other group of fellows, they, um, and having to be creative, uh, thanks to COVID, you are not able to do the same kind of bring everyone to New York and put them in a tiny crammed room around mm -hmm. one conference table and have wonderful conversations for eight hours like you normally would do. And so you've been doing a lot of, of digital workarounds, mm -hmm. right? And having some, uh, using that as an opportunity to bring alumni back too. So we've all gotten to meet a lot of the new fellows and, um, one of the really cool things that we're doing that I'm excited about that we've already started is that we are going to be interviewing every one of the new fellows and uh, publishing them on this podcast. So we'll have moving forward um, because we're going into the, this most unusual school year slash high holy days slash whatever is happening in all of your lives. Uh, we'll be releasing our full content, our full episodes every other week. And then in those in-between weeks, we'll be releasing interviews with these fellows. We've recorded two so far, and they were both just so interesting and exciting. And these people have, I mean, you just get somebody who's passionate about some something to sit down and talk about the thing they're passionate about. And yeah. it's just infectious. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to those two episodes. And then I've got a whole bunch more scheduled and really excited about those. That's that's what's been, been I think, the most fun part about this is that we get people who are jazzed up and excited and 
and it's and it's a it's a great combination to of having both individuals who are incredible and a and a group and trying to have the best dynamic that's there as well. Um, and that's been a, that's been a real incredible thing of being able to see the relationships that get built. You know, obviously among the five of you, but among the, the each new group of fellows build a strong relationship. And and as you mentioned, you know, we did a, an alumni. We've done a couple of alumni meetings as it is. And what's incredible is that the alumni, in some ways, they don't even really. Oh, right, you were one two years ago, and and just it becomes mm-hmm. almost an instant connection across geographic and and religious backgrounds and time. And and it's just it's it's we we're really proud of the of the people that have that have gone through this this program and we're hoping that it'll continue for many, many more years. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank okay. you. All right. Yeah, well, you. Um, one of the things that we want to do um, is um, this is going to be a listener driven episode. Um, and we wanted to make sure that Jeff, you were first on here that we got to talk to you and hear a little bit about some of the things you're excited about. Um, and we also want to make sure that our uh, patrons get to ask some questions first. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have a Patreon account and these people give monthly and are the reason why we're able to afford things like Riverside that record so wonderfully and live stream all over the place and our hosting and all of those all, all of those things. Um, so we're going to say thank you, Jeff. Thank you. It's wonderful to talk Good to you. Good to talk with you. Yeah, thank, you Jeff. Um, thank you. I'll be on for the rest of the time to hear all these great questions. Awesome. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Let's see if I can figure oh, this out. Bye, Jeff. Aha, it worked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I asked our patrons first if uh, they have any questions and if they'd like to join us on live. And so we're going to try this again. Um, with one with a person who is not only uh, one of our earliest patrons, but also somebody who was in our group of the Sinai and Synapses uh, Fellowship group. Hey, hey it worked! There she is. is. Look at the sand, folks. Riverside.fm. Oh yeah, this place is amazing. This is like a godsend to me. I, I love this. It feels this like company. some sort of game show where, like, the new person comes in full screen and then tiles over, and yeah. it's it's very exciting. It is exciting. I, even I felt pretty pretty excited about that. I mean, I knew Ruth was coming, and I still felt excited. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Ruth Welcome. Shaver, the Reverend Doctor Ruth Shaver, my partner in crime in the United Church of Christ Science and Technology Network. Thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Rachel. I didn't get to see you on the Hi, on episode I'm, 40 when I was the guest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the number four. <laughs> there you go, because I didn't remember that one. Either. I actually so didn't have to look it up. I remembered it, but you know, <laughs> because it was important. It was like exciting right. to be a guest. Oh, that's like a dig at Zach. Like you didn't remember because it wasn't important to you. Zach. No. Zach's done enough of these that he doesn't necessarily need to remember I've them. I've done 51 episodes. Exactly. I've only done the one. So, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm so excited yeah. for you all. I was so happy when you started this podcast because, you know, our time together in the fellowship was just so rich and so powerful. And I was already missing it by the time your first episode came out. I listened to that first episode. I'm like, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's the feeling that we hope everyone yeah. ends up getting yeah. 
when they they hear these people and they think, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks exactly. And and um, Adam, you will be happy to know that the other day I accepted a membership into the private group for the United Church of Christ Science and Technology group from somebody who lives in Lindsborg, Kansas. I was like, I actually know other... where that is. Wait, there are other people that live there? Was it Was it Rachel? No, it was not Rachel. Was it Rachel? I no, think it she's wasn't. already it a part of it. was somebody else. I was like, wow. Who's this mysterious UCC <laughs> member of the science and technology religion living in my town that I can't name off the top of my head? I, I know. Bad. I can't remember what her name is. I, I was going to try to remember it, but I've had a lot going on in the last couple of weeks. So. Just God. Yeah, just exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so yes. Ruth. What is, so my what is question, question for you all, having listened to all but the last two episodes, because I listen to them as they come up in my podcast feed, is what's the most amazing or incredible thing each of you has learned in the course of doing the podcast? That's a good question. Thank you. That was stolen. <laughs> I, I felt it. Thank you. Yeah. Let's just call that what it was. It, it was, but I was giving the rest of you an opportunity to, to think. <laughs> silent. Yeah, so, um, Adam, why didn't you go first? <laughs> Adam hasn't learned anything. He knows everything already. Clearly. It, it, that's what I've learned. Um, and being, that edit, being that Zach edits things out, Adam is notorious for asking questions and then walking away. Yes. <laughs> Just so you Not guys understand the yes. <clears throat> Yeah, that, that's that's right. true. Uh, and, I, I won't and, deny and that. And coming in in the middle of things too. Mm-hmm. Also true. Yeah. I it, it's <laughs> it is a miracle that I was on time today. Um, got here before me and Zach. <laughs> I know, right? That was because I put it, you know, forty five minutes early in my calendar. <laughs> Um, so maybe that's the most amazing thing you've learned is that you need to be That's probably four. the best thing. I, I've got to. I got to give myself a forty-five minute window. I can start. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's Zach's way of letting us know to keep keep rolling. Just keep, keep moving. Keep going. We got some good questions to keep get to. Exactly. Time limit here. Come on. Yeah. So Come go on. ahead, Zach. Um, so in both the preparation of and the recording of the uh, Human Origins mm-hmm. episode, um, and getting to talk with Brianna about um, early hominids and our evolution and a little bit about the the earliest signs that we have of religion in those, uh, in in, in some cases, perhaps Neanderthal dwellings, um, and at least in other cases, early Homo sapiens, um, and getting to think about, goodness, uh, like, People hundreds of thousands of years ago, well before recorded history, well before any of the people groups that we think of today as like the right people that can talk to God, uh, thinking about those people groups, um, having a spiritual connection and having some kind of rituals and having names for God that are long forgotten. Um, that was just such a fun mm-hmm. conversation. Um, Brianna is actually the first one from the the new crop of of fellows that I interviewed. And so her episode will be dropping I think next well, week. Well not next not next week. So, live episode will be. Not, well, and yeah, and just to clarify as yeah, as yeah, I am yeah. the kind of organizational um <laughs> keeper. Master. Don't trust anything Zach says. Make sure <laughs> Rachel told you what's happening. <laughs> um the episode Zach is referring to is episode twenty. Um 
when when Brianna was on the first time, and then she'll be on again in a couple of weeks. Um, as big questions, tiny bones, that's right. right? That's Is that the right. name of it. Um, so so keep that keep that in mind. Um, and since I kind of just interrupted. I'll go next. And mine is actually much less specific than that. And for me, it was a, Ruth, your question was a little bit more existential, I think, than um, knowledge-based mm-hmm. as, as far as I heard it. And it was, what I have learned most is really about myself and that, you know, we said this is home and you're not alone. Knowing, really just getting comfortable in, in what I like. And sharing that with other people and not being afraid or worried or judged or all those voices that we some of us have in our heads of how is this going to come across and just being like, yeah, I love dinosaurs. I'm not a paleontologist. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing dinosaur earrings. I got a dinosaur shirt today. And I love space. And I love Lego. And... And it doesn't matter that I'm 39 years old and it's not my son that gave me this love, right? I just get to experience mm-hmm. this love with my son. Um, so really just honestly, just getting really comfortable sharing of being my own skin. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. I think mm. I would say uh, also something maybe a little bit more existential, which is that I have always uh, had a love and desire to teach in some form or another. And before this podcast, I wasn't really doing anything, um, outside of like academic channels to teach in like a public communication style of, of teaching. And so I think that this has taught me some of my strengths and weaknesses um, in communicating ideas in a way that's different than what I might do if I was standing in front of a classroom. And (laughs) I'd probably cringe at some of our earlier episodes that (laughs) it's like evident of me trying to figure that out. (laughs) Um, But I think it's something that we've all gotten better at as we've gone along and just, you know, figuring out how to, keep um, a casual spirit of conversation that fosters curiosity, which is also important in the classroom. But there's something that's really hard to describe about um, the difference between those those two spaces. And I think I'm still trying to figure that out as we go along, actually. Um, but it feels really important to be able to navigate different spaces and learn to adapt to the kind of communication that people need from you. And I just feel like that's a really important lesson and skill that uh, I, this podcast has given me the opportunity to continue to learn in that way. Yeah. Hmm. I think for me, um, you know, as a science educator, you know, I've always, I've been a teacher for a long time. Um, I, but in my job, I don't get the opportunity to talk about science and religion much. Um, So this has provided a good outlet like we had with the, fellowship and the additional connections but one of the desires i have is how is to reach more of the general public um in conversations in my work and so with you know the book that i keep i'm still working on and this podcast and other ways of trying to reach the general public about this important conversation around science and religion that's kind of been one of my biggest things i've enjoyed and learned the most 
I, I feel like I have, have learned how little I know generally sort of week in and week out. Um, because I, yeah. I do do the religion and science conversation like professionally. That's, that's like really a big hunk of my job. And, um, even doing that, it's a, it's a minuscule, tiny part of the sorts of conversations that occur here in terms of how wide ranging, mm-hmm. um, they can be. Um, and I think what I've come to appreciate is that something like the podcast and, and like the Sinai and Synopsis Fellowship really works to take what can very easily become a sort of esoteric academic conversation and show the places where it touches on so many other aspects of our lives um, in ways um, that I think can be deeply profound and moving in ways that I can't get to in a classroom. Um, and I, I've, I've really appreciated that. Well, and I think each of you touched on something that um, – is an integral part of being fellows and being alumni of the program, which is the journey continues, you know, and, and we've learned from those who came before us and we will keep learning as our group and learn with those who are following after us because it, I think Jeff did such a great job of bringing people together who have a lifelong passion for learning Mm -hmm. intellectually, existentially, you know, and so many different layers um and and it's it's wonderful and you all teach me something every week whether it's about yourselves or about a topic that you know i didn't think i was interested in or you know something that i'm deeply interested in like dinosaurs uh, mm-hmm. yeah. so thank you for that yeah well thank you yep, ruth for, thank you for your question you and for your welcome. support both monetarily on patreon and your constant that's right cheerleading you got it absolutely absolutely <laughs> and now you can make me disappear for the next question all right <laughs> magic yeah magic Ooh, Watch this. magic and she's gone that right? is kind of cool because the next question is coming from another patron who is a current uh fellow from sinai and synapses um we're getting uh, i think our our uh, our pool of patrons is, is, <laughs> is weighted in that direction, which by the way, you can find us at patreon.com slash down the wormhole podcast. That's patreon.com slash down the wormhole podcast. Because if you go to patreon.com slash down the wormhole, you'll go to not a, um, <laughs> fish store. Not oh. um, they have a channel where they have fish and then you can, you can subscribe and you can get the fish fed. <laughs> That's not us. If you see fish, that's not us. We've gotten their messages before. We are a podcast. So our next question, I think, I'm is, going there is, right now. is uh, less of a less of a feel good, um, easy softball question. Um, I'm wondering if Mark, you want to come on and oh, ask it. There he is. Hey, hey, there you are. I'm there. All right. How, how are you all doing? Good to see you guys. Um, good to see you. So I was talking to my bestie, Fabulous. that's Ian, this morning, and he told me that everyone was wearing T-shirts, which is why I said that Adam's <laughs> color was so messed up. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I was, like, touching it continuously after that. I was like, I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. So um, 
I, I love your guys too. I'm not as caught up as, as Ruth is because of the pandemic. I used to have an hour commute and every Wednesday was down the wormhole day. And then now I'm a, a teacher and a parent and a scholar and a student and, a, and it's been a little rougher. So I'm, I'm catching them as I can, but I, every episode has been fantastic. Um, so when I was trying, to, I, I, I jumped in late in this idea of coming up with a question for you guys, but uh, I know one that, that often bubbles up in the conversation has to do with the way I was raised in a very conservative Christian evangelical environment. And when I think back on my religious upbringing, everything seems to center on miracles. It was a virgin birth and walking on water and magnifying fish and loaves and rivers turning to blood and, and resurrection and all these things that are magical. And that was where like everything hinged on these things. And when I became a science major, there was a fear this unweaving the rainbow thing that you're going to start unweaving rainbows and pretty soon you're going to doubt everything in the Bible. Mm. And a, a great colleague and friend of mine that that is a was was a pastor. He's now an educator. He once said regarding that the only thing that could cripple his faith was if somebody wheeled in the body of Jesus, because that would mean the resurrection didn't occur. And that caused me to start having a mental exercise in my head of this sort of dependence on supernatural miraculous things that seems to be common at least in the faith tradition that i was raised in and so i thought it was a good opportunity to say other christian traditions is that also as important and what about other religious traditions that i'm not as aware of so i don't know if you could speak to that where it comes from and is it common thanks for Go, Adam, Adam, you looked like you were about Jeez. to answer it uncomfortably. And then, um, <laughs> just... Hold on, let me... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I do think, right, like, um, the, the role of miracles, particularly in American evangelical Christianity, is, is really specific. Um, and I wouldn't limit it just to American evangelical Christianity, right? Like, um, this, to my mind, is a big piece of what happens in uh, philosophical discourse about religion, but let's just say really Christianity, after the Enlightenment in Europe, right? So, this becomes a, a sort of critical place where those conversations occur. But I think what you see in a variety of religious traditions is a movement away from the centrality of miracles, especially in the 20th century. So, um, your friend, right, who would only be concerned if they, you know, wield the body of Jesus, right? Like, he didn't even have to go quite as far as Rudolf Bultmann, right? Who's sort of famous for saying in the Christian tradition, dogs could have, you know, dragged the bones of Jesus away and it wouldn't affect the faith. I mean, that's a pretty optimistic look, I think, sociologically. But it, the point was to say, right, that, that Christianity isn't a religion of miracles, per se. Um, that there's something else that goes on here in the nature of faith. I will say, for other religious traditions, like, in, in here I would defer to other folks um, in terms of how this works, but um, that is a way in which I think the religion and science conversation has been deeply shaped by Christianity. Um, because I don't know if that question resonates the same way in other religious traditions with the same sort of force. I, yeah. I think I could... Oh, go ahead, Kendra. No, good. <laughs> 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 okay, I'll go. I was just going to say that um, uh, one of the things that it makes me think of is this, and this might not be exactly what you're asking, but I'm thinking of 
um, the God of the gaps argument and how people um, mm. will talk about how like miracles aren't as central to religious traditions today. Um, and I think that there will always be, people will always have religious and spiritual experiences. And maybe it's a separate conversation about, you know, like for some people to be able to explain those experiences is enough to reduce them to something that is scientific. And for other people, it doesn't matter. Like you can explain something that doesn't make it any less meaningful or real for the person that's having the experience. So that I know is uh, maybe a different conversation, but this um, God of the gaps uh, argument being one that says, you know, as we learn more about the way that the world works, um, we fill in the, the, the gaps in our knowledge and this um, idea of like only being able to have faith in a God if there's something that we don't quite understand about God or religion or the world. But once we start to fill in our scientific knowledge, those gaps close. And so that God who ruled over the mysterious realm, that space also shrinks for that God to thrive in people's lives. And that is um, that argument has been critiqued as one that's really like a superficial way to look at people who believe in God and have these like intimate relationships with supernatural deities. Um, and I think that like there is something true about how our scientific knowledge grows over time. And we do learn more about the way that the world works and that that is exciting. And it leads to, you know, more discoveries and it leads to changes and disturbances in religious institutions. And I think that will always happen but I think that, like, for people who are religious, um, it often doesn't really matter if there is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter if there's more science that comes in to explain what's around them. People, that, like, that is not the only factor that affects whether or not someone will believe in God. And there's all, there, it's just so much more, I'm sure, as all of us know that there's so many factors playing into that and it's really complicated. And even I think most of the time people live with really contradictory versions of themselves mm -hmm. that um, are, you know, scientific and religious. I think that's maybe a large portion of people who would maybe be drawn to this podcast. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's what it, what comes up for me. I don't know if that's at all answering some of that question. That's nice. I, um, I wanted to answer the question, actually, and just before I answer the question, I just want to give a verbal shout out to possibly one of our youngest listeners, my nephew, Joshua. So hi, Joshua. He's uh, not quite six. Um, so this might, this might be a little bit above, above <laughs> understanding, but I, there's a, a prayer book um, in Judaism, right? We've got lots of different prayer books, but the one that I use is called Mishkan Tefillah right now. It's the one I primarily use. And um, before we hit this like big part of our prayer, there's this quote which says, pray as if everything depended on God, act as if everything depended on you. So I think, and, and that to me answers the sort of question, where do miracles fit in Judaism? That they're there, and it's, it'd be great and we'll accept them, but you got to just live your life and you got to, you got to do it. You, you own this life and your actions are what really matter. Um, so we can accept them, but not much more than that. Yeah. 
I don't know if you can hear we can my five-year-old running around so. upstairs. Just so yeah. you know. Sounds yeah. really cool. Boom, 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 boom. Sounds like a that? train. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was an airplane. Okay. That's fun. Well, not that noise right now. Oh, That's not like an airplane earlier. overhead. Um, yeah, they just... <laughs> I bring him up because he, during the... Uh, this has a point. During the, the pandemic, he's played a lot of video games. And um, we played on our 3DSs together a lot. And we were playing Mario together. And he'd get really frustrated at levels. And he'd be like, I can't do this. I hate this game. Dad, you beat this level for me. And I'd say to him, look, buddy, if I beat this level for you, the next level is going to be harder. And you won't have the skills to beat that level. Um, And he'd be like, no, beat this level for me. Beat this level for me. And every once in a while, and just like when I feel like, all ah, right, this is too hard, or like the next level is going to be so much more fun if you just get past <laughs> this one, because I know what the next level is going to be, I'll, I'll take his DS and I'll beat that level real quick. And like to him, watching me pick this up and do this impossible thing that he can't possibly figure out how to beat, and here I am just like, oh no, you just have to jump over Boo, <laughs> and then it's the third door, and then you have to hit this invisible block and go up the the beanstalk here and then you win the level and now we can play the next level together that feels like magic to him like i must be cheating (laughs) it's just that i'm better at it than he is and i know how the game works and i'm better at it and so i think like miracles are rare on purpose because if god were to just step in and beat the game for us every time it wouldn't be fun it wouldn't build up our character it would it would just make us lazy people And so it's up to us to play the game. But every once in a while, it seems like God steps in and it feels like magic and it feels like it's, it's breaking the laws of physics. But I think like the God who's the architect of all creation kind of knows how it works. And so, you know, so, and and so I don't really think much about it. So like Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 men and all their wives and kids on a hillside. And some people will say, well, literally these fish and these bread were in the baskets and Jesus prayed over them and they, <laughs> they all split apart and they made new ones, right? There's just good sound effects. nothing, something out of nothing. Thank you. And like, that's fine for them. Maybe there's an explanation for that. Some people will say, Jesus shared what little they had, and then that example then spread to the next person and to the next person, and it inspired people to actually share from what they had. And then when everyone shared, they realized there was enough for everyone. And that's a different kind of miracle. And like both of them, I feel like you can hold together. I'm not going to say Jesus broke some laws of physics, because I think God made the laws of physics and wouldn't need to break them. Um, We just don't understand how that works. And I'm fine with that. Or if it's the totally mundane uh, moral lesson, I'm fine with that too. I can take both of those and hold them together, and I don't, I don't feel particularly. Uh, it's crazy that you bring up that example, though, because that's anymore. where my question came from. Because if you realize, we just recently passed the 51st anniversary of Woodstock, and as a good parent, oh. I was teaching my daughter what Woodstock was all about. And when I said that prior to the internet and prior to cell phones. They pulled together this concert and several hundred thousand people descended upon a man's farm and they survived for three days. And I thought, that's miraculous in a lot of ways. That's really amazing. But it was the same kind of thing you're describing. I, I compared it to the feeding of the 5,000. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't think supernatural needs to, needs to mean uh, like, well, okay. I don't think anyone, anything needs to be supernatural. I think it can just be <laughs> super and it's natural, right? Super duper natural. How about that? And I, I think that also answered a question from uh, one of our other patrons, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Jeff oh, yeah. Work, Thanks, Mark. Which, uh, thank you, Mark. Who also asked the same question. So I think several of our patrons were thinking the same thing. Um, let me see. I want to pull out another question um, that... You know, just going to temper this down a little bit, you know, so you don't have to worry about potentially being a heretic. Um, this one comes from <laughs> Micah Ackley, who's, who asks, do you think alternate versions of ourselves exist in other worlds? And if we did meet the alternate self, would we, like Back to the Future theorizes, implode both of ourselves? Uh, I'm going to go with Time Cop too, right? Because, you know, I was actually thinking about that movie earlier. And in Time Cop, the whole idea is the same matter cannot occupy the same space. And that's how, spoiler alert, a baddie dies at the end. And if you didn't know that, that movie's been around for like 30 something years. It's not years, really a spoiler. Yeah, you never good. heard of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're too young. <laughs> it's not quite how the many worlds. It may have come out before you were born. Uh, operates, but okay. That's... So. I don't know if I would blow up or not, but I think I if if there were a, there was another version of me. Think out there, about it more like the Marvel I, Cinematic I think, Universe, right? Where they, hmm. I think some of my friends would probably be like, "Holy shit!" Like Spider Verse. So I, yeah, yeah. you know, um, when they're going no, I would just ask lots of questions, stones, and each one branches off into a new universe, and yeah, take from that one, and it's going to mm-hmm. screw them up, but it's going to help you and create yeah. alternate timelines. And you have that to return to the exact point in time out of. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, if so. that's true, and if the many worlds hypothesis is actually the the way that um, the you know I'll say universe our universe interacts with other universes to create some kind of multiverse in which there are uh, perhaps similar or nearly identical versions of you and me, um, what what do you what do you hope they're like? I hope my guy's doing doing well for himself. Yeah. But I don't I don't know that I would be ready to meet any of my myselves. I just feel like <laughs> the self that I currently inhabit is enough to deal with. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I I think I'm totally with you on this one, really? Kendra. I uh I'm yeah, mostly because I make enough decisions for this one life. I can't imagine trying to think about somebody else's decisions. And when I think about a multiverse theory, I think about not just like should I eat a second bagel today or should I not creating a different decision like a different multiverse? Not not that small of decision making, but more larger decisions like is this the person I'm going to marry and should I take this job? Um and that it that it 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 filters out like you know branches, um, and I I don't I don't care about her <laughs> like at all. Heartless monsters. I, this is your alternate self. I, I, so. Exactly. So it's 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 on her. It's not on me. I mean, <laughs> I don't care about her. I I don't. But I just 
I need some time. I need some <laughs> I don't, time before we're ready to meet. I, need some I don't want her to mess up my life. That's <laughs> yeah. all. I, I just don't want it. Yeah. Do, do you want my serious concern about oh the multiverse? Goodness, please, oh, God, Adam. You okay, want so nothing my, more. My, my serious concern about the multiverse is that if, if there were such an infinity, transfinity of worlds, um, that you would so infinitely multiply the suffering across the universes that would exist, yeah. um, that it's a, a nearly impossible theodicy problem. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine that. All right, next question. <laughs> there is a book. No, 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 no. No, I'm just kidding. Was written called Eli, in which uh, the author tries to explain a separate universe in which Jesus was born in, like, the 1970s in, a, in like, a truck stop bathroom and visited by hippies and then grows up in this, in this world and then, you know, then is, uh, you know, dealing with the religious establishment of the 90s. Um, in, in, in order to explain, like, Jesus going to every single timeline in order to redeem it, which was a fun thought experiment for that book, but just it just seems very exhausting. That's also the, the plot of, of, uh, of uh, Chronicles of Narnia, right? That C.S. Lewis That's said true. that Aslan yeah, is not a, an allegory oh, for yeah. Jesus. He's supposed to be Jesus. But Jesus in this mm-hmm. other world shows up as a lion. Oh. I just want to say That's That's cool. that, Adam, you're making a lot of assumptions about the multiverse uh, in your last statement. And how so? I, I just want to throw out challenge accepted. <laughs> Do I need to get the popcorn out again? Ready. <laughs> um, I just think that you know a couple things. One, okay. it's not necessarily a theodicy if people don't believe in a personal deity who's like fair know, okay that, I, I grant that like one a basic yes thing. but yeah, you know that. yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah. and then the other one is that you know maybe there's a, a a couple of universes out there where everything like maybe we're in the dark timeline Ooh. and everything else is our opposite that's such a kendra so, answer <laughs> <laughs> but but could you or That's some facsimile of you be produced without some sort of parallelism of the suffering? Absolutely. I really want to say something right now to you about, but I can't because it's going to ruin the legend of Korra for you. So I'm just going <laughs> to that answer. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for not ruining the legend of Korra for me. I, but let's I talk about this that. again when, once you've watched the legend of Korra. <laughs> so I need to I catch up is what work. you're saying. Like we would be um, tied to one another because that's the multiverse, is it? You're connected to these other realms. But uh, yeah, it just not all the suffering is in one place. I'm not sure I'm or like maybe all actually the suffering like is in one place. And so there's not I'm, like a, a net gain of suffering, if you will. But that's I, I'm just not sure I'm comforted by that this idea that we would live in the worst worst of all worlds. <laughs> I wasn't of the trying multiverse. to be comforting. I was just trying to <laughs> oh, okay. imagine like, a different a different and, world. And, and although I'm, I'm just gonna jump in real though, right? Right. Like <laughs> right. this is hell. I'm just, I'm just gonna throw this Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Thanks for that. Um, I'm just going to throw this one in there, right? Just uh, from our Facebook comments that uh, Chris Eden has said that at least the dark timeline has ice cream. Chris Eden also wants Fair to know point. what your uh, favorite time travel movie is. That's right. Interstellar. Oh, uh, yeah. 
That was pretty good. That one was pretty good. It wasn't just pretty good, Ian. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm just not sure if I'm ready Kendra's to say like, it's my favorite. Kendra's on it. It was, it was an outstanding movie. It's definitely popcorn worthy. Okay. So yeah, back to the future. Out. You may remember Chris Eden, by the way, from episode 49 of the podcast, Racism Part 3, the Color Correction Ooh, Podcast about environmental justice. Big shout out to Chris Eden. That's right. Who used to live down the hall from me. Look Chris. at you, Zach. I'm, I'm going to choose Back to the Future 3. Ooh. Oh. That was okay. Because locomotives <gasps> yes. causing time travel yes. feels like a reason to choose that. Yeah, because trains and time travel put Trains together. and time travel. Yeah. I mean, that is one step from dinosaur, about the dinosaur train. I was just going to I was just gonna say that. Oh, oh, yeah. Dinosaur train. If they made Dr. a movie, Scott. that would be my favorite. Dr. Scott was so But we were fun. specifically asked. Can I say okay, 50th we, I, I'm also episode <laughs> of Doctor Who? Can I? That's kind of a movie. Sure. But no. Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> Dr. No. Dr. Who um, fans out there? Anyone? No. Stock, uh, Star Trek episode four. In a brighter timeline, Ian, remember mm. Jelly. Mm. No. Anyway. No. Um, I, what I was going to say is um, one of the other hats that I wear here is um, I attempt to be our timekeeper. <laughs> and we are loving all of these conversations. And we are certainly going to keep them going. Um, we are at about 55 minutes. So um, we're going to keep going a couple more questions. Um but I also know that we can all talk forever, and that's probably not what we want. Um, and so a couple of people from Facebook have said that, um, I'm not quite sure what you meant there, Justin. It says, in a brighter timeline, Ian equals remembered jelly. So. <laughs> Any F3 guy out there is going to get that one. That's for you. And um, <laughs> Crean has said that Star Trek Next Gen is the hundreds of enterprises converging in one timeline. And yes, that is a great Star Trek episode. That is a good episode. Um, both she and I are, are, I don't know if she'd go as far as Trekkies as I am, um, but definitely a love of us, both of ours. Are those fo- the footsteps that um, you were hearing before? No. Okay. I don't hear. No, those okay. we don't hear. Wonderful. Because I'm no. in a soundproof booth yeah. that I built, um, and it's not yeah. entirely soundproof. No. It's not toddler feet. It yeah. could be me. They're literally building a wall outside of my office. It could so. be. I mean, have Charlie for all dance the brooms. <laughs> it, it is containing the brooms presently. Okay. Yes. I really wish okay. you had one of those to show. Oh, I'll be yes. back. Okay, be back <laughs> while Zach gets us our next question. Thanks and before that, I just want to read off one thing from a, a good friend of mine. Real Please. quick, was we were asked about merch. Aha. Right? Yes. And when are we going to get merch? And we need to call this one out because she told me ahead of time, too. Yeah. Um, specifically want something with Ezekiel 23, uh, verse 20 to 21 on it, please. And that's for you, Kendra. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is Thank you. That is mm-hmm. all for you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and if, and if you're not if you're okay. not quite sure if you're not quite sure where that is coming from, um, a few um, a few episodes ago, we asked the question, "What is your favorite Bible verse?" And that was uh, that was episode forty-seven. So feel free to listen to that one to understand why Ezekiel is hilarious and very serious. Yes, and, and before Adam, the brooms, and 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 very very quickly, Adam. Yeah. Um, would you like to show us why why you're holding so many brooms? Oh, sure. So I've, I brought a variety <laughs> of brooms today, just in case. Uh, over the past two weeks, I have been moving them out of a house 
where we had been previously making traditional Swedish crafts, schloid, if you will, uh, one of which was the I art of broom making. All of these are for sale. There were over a thousand brooms in the house. Our are broom you maker was prodigious. Getting into witchcraft, Adam. Is that what this <laughs> is about? We do have a course this semester on witches and Ooh. witchcraft as an ID oh, course, uh, taught by Mary Beth Harris and Armena Fox. You get I, a broom I'm hoping. If you sign like a how to. Well, we are suggesting <laughs> that they use brooms broom. as part of the course. <laughs> okay. uh, it will be Good. fun. You know, for tiny people, I guess. Um, but yes, a <laughs> variety of brooms that you so can what, have. What's the why of the brooms? Yeah, tell us fast. Uh, so this was a this was a, a project of Swedish crafts. It was a federal work study project that students could learn to make brooms. Um, we had a broom maker on campus. They made Ergo many, 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 <laughs> many, many brooms. That's the whole story. Awesome. Lots of brooms. That's, that is literally the whole. Well, and as we were looking for a space to help, uh, like. Um, how students this semester because we've 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 been very lucky and a lot of students have returned to campus and we are doing all the things to try and be as safe as possible. Um, one of the things that I was doing as per my first administrative job was to clear out the house of the brooms and to help with that process. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. this is totally why you went into academia, isn't it? Yeah. To I, move yes, rooms. I went into academia in order to to move sweep. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right one Zach. final question which comes from uh bruce may who is a member of my congregation and an avid listener of the podcast somebody who listens to each episode and then calls me or sends me an email or a text message about that episode with follow-up questions um one of cool. the <laughs> most wonderfully engaged people that i know just in general um he says we see a slow decline of interest in traditional religion and the rise of interest in spirituality. There is some evidence that this shift may be more common in the better educated. Is it conceivable that more of these people see their understanding of spirituality more consistent with science, while some traditional religions find their beliefs threatened by it? Inconceivable. So, um. yeah, I... When I saw this one earlier, I was really starting to think a little more about it, especially some of the things I've read um, from different theologians and scholars in this area. And I, I feel like so some of the things I've read about religion and spirituality that, you know, some of the arguments that I, I kind of agree with a little bit is that religion may be more perceived as um, constricting, I guess you could say, whereas spirituality may not be. Uh, I mean, I'm not doing the best job of explaining it, but I, I see that argument of people viewing religion as, you know, whatever religion you ascribe to, that there are certain norms you have to follow or something like that. And if you get out of those norms, you're not part of that group anymore. Whereas spirituality doesn't have those walls. They're not, con doesn't feel as confining. Um, and that's something that even for my own personal journey, I, I'm thinking more and more about, you know, well, I still identify as Episcopalian that, you know, I'm, it's, you know, that's my home church. Um, but I, I like reading and learning and, and reflecting on things that I feel like are bigger than that. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that the, um, sort of echoing a little bit of what you're saying, Ian, in, in the psychological literature on religion, at least, I know the, the way that, 
Um, because researchers, something? when they're running studies, they're trying to like simplify these major Hello? concepts into something that is a variable <laughs> that you can study. And so mm. a lot of times, um, the way that happens with like religion versus spirituality is this thing where religion is the institutional connection. It's something mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, a little bit more set in stone, if you will. Um, and spirituality is something that's a little bit more personalized or individual. It may refer more to your emotions and like personal religious experiences, um, but they're connected to one another. And you, I think that, so like to the question, um, which is about like, do people who uh, see themselves as spiritual but not religious, do they see themselves as being maybe more consistent with science where traditional religions feel threatened? I, I think I would say that, like, regardless, um, whether you're spiritual, whether you call yourself spiritual or religious, um, I think for the most part, people assume that what they are doing is in line in some capacity with like a scientific understanding of the world. Um, Hmm. And I think that it's not, I I wouldn't say that that's the biggest difference between those identifiers. Although I I see the intuitiveness of, um, you know, looking at people who identify more as spiritual and associating that with this like individuality and, you know, maybe like critical thinking or something, whatever it is, that maybe those people are more scientific. And while in some cases, like we could, figure out a way to say that that's maybe an accurate representation of what's going on. I think more often it's that, uh, you know, people who are like traditionally religious also like have scientific ways of seeing the world. And um, it's hard to say, like, I don't really think that it's fair to say that one or the other is more or less scientific because a lot of people who are like individual like spiritual but not religious thinkers can also have some really wildly unscientific ideas. <laughs> um, I think it has more to do with uh, the other factors weighing on your education and um, how you grew up. And I think that the spiritual religious distinction is more about how, uh, what I described before about, um, at least in the psychological literature, which I think is a really helpful way to think about it colloquially, being are you cut, tied to an institutional religious community or do you just sort of like pick and choose and draw different things that you know feel good to who you are as an individual um so that's what it seems like to me um, i'm gonna i'm gonna take a stab at this question um from a slightly different angle as a person who is in the context of religion and a congregation um and from that angle, when somebody says, and maybe maybe it's also being Jewish, um, in the sense that Judaism is not is not just a religion, right? That being Jewish, we practice the religion of Judaism, but we're uh, peoplehood and uh, all that other stuff. So there's a whole lot of messiness um, in the answer of, of Jewish, but in the confines of Judaism. Um, if someone says, you know, I belong here and I, I I come to this, but I don't feel spiritual, right? The services aren't spiritual to me. And my my reaction is, well, can you define spirituality or are you just saying this isn't what you want, 
right? So to to identify how are we really making those differentiation between religion and spirituality, and can one can be both and. And the other question that I would have is why can't or why put so much pressure on a religion to be all? Why does the religious mm-hmm. institution have to be? Like why why is that their job to provide all spirituality for all people as opposed to a path to help you figure out your own spirituality? That's the purpose of religion as opposed to give it to you. So I so I, I think it's a, a question of which religion, first of all, and which understanding and which denomination, and then really taking a back step and saying, are we are we being unfair about these decisions and who we're asking to um, to fulfill these needs of ours? Okay, enough gesturing wildly. <laughs> so Adam and Adam and Zach. I'll I'll go for a different part of the question altogether. Okay. Um, the uh, we see the slow decline of interest in traditional religion is the part that actually I, I just sort of stopped there, um, in good academic fashion. I didn't look at the rest of the thing. I just sort of stopped it <laughs> at that point, which is to say, um, that's the part to me that's actually really really interesting in terms of, to my mind, what that indicates is a sense in which quote unquote traditional religion isn't speaking to the way in which people make meaning. Right. Thank right? you. And so the ways in which, whether we call it religion or spirituality, um, the ways in which science intersects with that meaning-making process is, I think, what's most interesting. Um, and so I think when you when we sort of frame the, the question that way, um, for me, it's a little bit less about whether one is more or less consistent, it's more about how is it that people make statements of meaning and frame their lives in meaningful ways such that it is or is not consistent with science? And and why should that be important, right? And it, that to me is is the sort of fruitful way of engaging this, this sort of question and conversation um, to open it up, particularly for, I, I think a lot about my students, right? some of whom are deeply religious, some of whom would identify in terms of multiple religious belonging um, because they wouldn't want spirituality, right? Some of whom are are very clearly sort of spiritually syncretistic, um, some of whom are deeply spiritual without sort of being able to articulate why. To my mind, the the label can be helpful from a a psychological or sociological angle, right? But it's this question of meaning um, and the way in which science intersects with that formation of meaning that I think is really interesting. So I think look at the numbers. Um, where is religious involvement or religious self-identified religious belonging declining? Um, and this is a question coming from the United States. Um, presumably, it's a feeling about what's happening in the United States. Um, if you look at it, it's mostly Protestant Christians. Uh, that's where the decline is happening. Among Catholics, not not really so much. Um, Catholicism, a lot like Judaism, is more. Uh, it, it's a people who also have a religion. Like, people say, oh, I'm Catholic. I haven't been to church in 50 years, but I'm still Catholic, and I'll die Catholic, and I'm going to have a Catholic funeral, and I'm a Catholic person, and don't you dare say anything about my pope. But, like, you know, <laughs> they haven't been in forever. You don't really get that in Protestant circles. We're, we're so... Uh, our, we're not held together as being a people and a family as much as held together by common we're beliefs. Sincere. What's that? <laughs> yeah. 
I said, we're sincere. Ah, we are a doctrinal people, which means that if your beliefs change, you're out of the group. (laughs) You don't have a family anymore. Um, Which... I think a lot of a lot of the the leaving of religion is people in the United States' uh, ideas changing and realizing that they no longer belong in the Protestant religion uh, that they grew up in. And so they're like, well, you know, a lot of culture changed in the 60s and 70s and in the 80s. And those people's uh, kids had to go to church for a little bit. Uh, like to get through confirmation or youth group or whatever it is, and then they were free, and then they had kids, and then they're like, wait a sec, I don't have to bring my kid to church? Great, because <laughs> I hated going. Yep. So then they're not yep. bringing their kids, and so people like me who are trying to lead a church now are like, well, there's no children, <laughs> there's no young people, because the whole generation <laughs> of people uh, just kind of stopped coming to church. And I think that is more of an indictment against us as Protestant Christians to say um, we have created a system that does not easily change. Um, and it is a system based <laughs> almost entirely on, on, on beliefs and on creeds and confessions and that are just unwavering. You know, like I think of, of spirituality is the search for groundwater. When we find that groundwater, that source of life, that living water, to borrow a Christian term, um, we, we tend to stay there and we tend to start building up a well around that source of groundwater so we have an easy access to it. You know, and that well is our, our religion, our beliefs, our practices, our hymns, and our, our, our rituals and rites. And, and we, go, we keep going back to the well and generation after generation goes back to the well and... <sighs> Over time, you start to see the well as the source of the water instead of the ground beneath you. And the well is just the way to get there. And then when you start just obsessing over the well and people, people look at you and you know, you're spending tons of money to upkeep the bricks on the well and to lace it with gold and to say, like, this is our connection to water and life. And you just start to look at it critically and think, well, is it, though? Because there's a spring over there, and I feel like I can get water from the spring without having to go bow before your golden uh, golden well. And then those people over there get from that spring, and they say, well, now I'm, this is like I'm spiritual but not religious. And, but there's no gatekeepers there to tell you that the water's been tested mm-hmm. and it's pure. And it's, we can tell because <laughs> generations have drunk from this well, and we know it's good. But over here, it seems even better, maybe. And we don't know because we're not willing to take a step back and look at our well and say, does this still work? Is this still good? And have we focused on this instead of the water we're taking from it? And this is a lesson that the Protestant church is learning by dying. And so when I when I get this... That sounded like a line that would come from me. Oh, man. That was dark, no. man. I, I I'm really struggling. That definitely needs to be on my merch. dream for the church, for the uh, Protestant Christian church in America, is to close every single congregation just at once. Shut them all down. And then all the people who still oh. want to be a part of this, we get together in local football stadiums after COVID. And we like we choose teams like a dodgeball team. And we make new churches 
and we actually we, we get out of our giant buildings that are costing us way too much money and that are like the source of our idolatry and we get like we move into all these abandoned strip malls and we actually do something in the community and we actually live into our commitments and we 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 become like a hermit crab church that can grow and shed and move <laughs> and change and like that's my dream for the church and i tell people that and they're well, like so i think I think the pandemic, I think the pandemic can make a version of that happen, right? So there's a lot of things going on right now with churches that are not accessible. The buildings themselves are not accessible. And, you know, I've got into conversations uh, a couple months ago about, uh, you know, some people were arguing that I need to be back in that building. I need to be Mm -hmm. back in that building. And, you know, my argument was, is while I love that building, I love the building of my church. It's a very special place to me. That's not the only place I need to worship. Rachel, has that been an issue like for if you? If that was the only place I could worship, that'd be Have a problem. Have people come to you and said, we need to be back in our building? Is that a big deal for your guys and gals, your peoples, your humans? All, All y'all us. Um, only in the sense that we miss seeing each other. But the building? Nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't the building is just where we get to meet and so the sadness is coming from that we haven't been able to mm. meet but if i said let's go i mean we're going to try to meet in our parking lot tomorrow because there's a parking lot right that can hold the cars and the people um but if I said, hey, let's everyone go to this other random building and go there instead, sure. Right? It's not the building. And and I and I don't think that's just for, for the people in Hendersonville. Um, but really any of the synagogues that I've been a part of or people that I know about the synagogue. I mean, of course, there's the the legacy of, you know, oh, the memories tied to, well, that's where my mm-hmm. grandfather sat. But I think that's just community. And if you just like take the community out of it and put them in any building just like you were saying zach and put us in a strip mall as opposed to a building we'd because be you fine. still have that community that sense of communal belonging regardless of what you believe because all we have is right. like a shared doctrine we we we, we yeah. feel lost and so we cling to a building because that at least we can belong to this place if if even even right. if because we don't have this strong sense of of uh communal belonging and it's it's not sustainable and I'm excited for what happens when the church dies and then resurrects because we've done it before and it's kind of our thing, death and resurrection, right? Like, that's our jam. And, and bef- Do you know where this and happened, before we, and, uh, Do you know where this already what? happened? Alternate timeline 2042. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I need and, Ant-Man. And, and, and I'm, and, and and just saying, you know, before we started recording and being here with all of you, who thank you so much for sticking with us, yep. um, is that we were, or at least a couple of us were, were talking about, um, you know, the the nebulas and it's the death of stars, right? That everything dies, including stars. So perhaps it's just there. You go. There's my stars. Beautiful, Zach. Thank you for that for that map. So. I think, and this is the thank you, gentlemen, for bringing us all down. And so let's bring us back up. Um, <laughs> this is why we work. Hey, I this don't is, look. This is the where, chemistry. No, I'm no, no, about. no. There's no coming this back is, up. This, this leave is not it Adam at death. Or me. 
This was it? Was it? Well, yeah, I want to be clear. Okay. Yeah, this was I not death ERI. And, and we should just stay there. Okay. Stay with Gross. death. New life. Sorry. And okay. and and that's where we're going to leave you. it. Right. The and <laughs> the the hope, and we hope that each of us feels the community, and wherever that wherever you feel that community. If it's with us, if it's with each other, if it's the down the wormhole community, if it's your religious community, your science community, your wherever you find it, we all need that community. And so we hope to be one one small slice of that pie for you. Um, and we look forward to continuing many, many more episodes. Uh, we always love to hear from people who we feel like we're talking to, even if we can't hear mm-hmm. you. So please let us hear you. Uh, you can email us. On our website, you can go to Facebook. You can, I mean, we're everywhere. Um, and we are all monitoring all those different sites. Well, not Adam. He's not monitoring no, I'm not, them. I'm not monitoring um, but he will, he will answer. Okay, he'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> he will answer. Um, and from my place, just thank you. This has been a Absolutely. thrilling ride so far. Is this where I cue the theme song again? Yep. So. This, this, I, I, I think so, Zach. Yeah. Super high tech on my phone. Here we go. Here we go. This has been the Down the Wormhole podcast. Oh no! This has been episode I like how he uses his, uh, episode fifty-two of the Down the Wormhole podcast. 52. Is that right? Fifty-two. Thank you all for joining us. A huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon.com/slash Down the Wormhole podcast. Not only for your moral support and financial support that makes things like mm-hmm. this subscription to Riverside and our podcast hosting and our podcast advertising and all these other things that we do possible, um, but also for your questions today and for making uh, making this happen. Thank you so, so, so much. Also to all of you who joined us, um, I saw folks come in, some <laughs> folks come out. The best thing, like the, the names that I didn't know, that's fantastic. I love it. Um, yep. You yep. can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, our emails. All of these links are on downthewormhole.com. Please feel free to join us in any of those. If you want to talk back, the Down the Wormhole Conversations Facebook group is a great place to do that. A fairly active community of wonderful uh, seekers and uh, new friends. Meaning makers. Meaning makers. (laughs) And meaning makers. Seekers and meaning makers. Um, Thank you all, um, including the four of you wonderful people. Um, And you. And me. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we well. like you, too. You're wonderful, Please. too. Lavish. I'm still trying to figure out what we're putting on Instagram as a podcast. What? <laughs> Don't we do, like, voice stuff? Oh, I thought Adam. Instagram was pictures. It, oh, no, it, oh, is. Our, it is. Our Instagram, which is... Um, oh, um, Adam. <laughs> maintained yeah, just by It's fine. It's, it's cool. I'm good with that. letting people know when we have new episodes. Oh, okay. Okay. feel better. <sighs> it's okay, Adam. <laughs> I thought Ian was, like, taking screenshots and posting them, and I'm like... Mm. Ooh, I should start doing no, that. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Maybe you'll see us in in all of our our homes again next time. Yep. Yes. All right. Well. All right. Thank you, everybody. Until next time. <laughs>